Hello and welcome back to Benaiah, Mighty Man of God by P.H. Thompson, an audiobook. This is chapter 21. The woman conceived, so she sent and told David and said, I am with child. 2 Samuel 11.5 The door at the top of the stairs to the rooftop opened and Bathsheba emerged. She adjusted her pale blue head covering to conceal the lower half of her face. She didn't look at Benaiah. See that she gets home, Benaiah, David commanded. Yes, my lord. Benaiah escorted Bathsheba back home in silence, and he noticed that she kept her eyes downcast. Was she ashamed about what had happened? At the door to her home, she whispered thank you without looking at him. Benaiah resisted the urge to grunt. As she closed the door behind her, Benaiah overheard Bathsheba's servant, Ashima, exclaim, Mistress, I was so worried about you when you didn't return last night. Were you well? He didn't hear Bathsheba's response. Benaiah returned for home. Had Bathsheba protested? What would it mean if she hadn't? And could he have done something to stop this atrocity? He could have done more than simply tell David she was married. He was David's servant, yes, but he was also his friend, and the son of a priest. He could have tried harder to keep him from this sin. Eleazar and the other servants of Saul had refused to kill the priests of Nob when ordered. Some had even given their lives in defense of the priests. But Benaiah hadn't even spoken up when David decided to kill the house of Nabal. Last night he'd had an opportunity to prove he was a man of character. Yet again he had failed, perhaps he, because he wasn't as righteous as he thought. What would have happened if the tables were turned and Uriah had been asked to bring Moriah to David instead of him? Uriah was an honorable man. He would have refused. Benaiah was sure of it. He would likely have scolded David for even considering it. But Benaiah was too worried about the consequences of disobedience. Now he was an accomplice in another man's sin by his silence that night and his inaction since. Years ago, when Amizabad died, his father told him, Being a man is about protecting those you love and value. He had not protected Bathsheba from David, nor had he protected David from himself. Benaiah had failed again. Benaiah drew circles in the packed dirt at his feet. He hadn't even heard his daughters trying to get his attention. His thoughts were on the incident with Bathsheba. Mariah called his name, set down her needlework, and then came over to him. What's wrong, Benaiah? Benaiah upbraided himself for letting his feelings show. He always tried to keep his work and home life separate. It's nothing. You've been moping for days. Benaiah sighed. Then he regarded his wife, suddenly curious how she would react in Bathsheba's place. Mariah, when I was away at war, were you lonely? He asked the question as if the answer were of no consequence, like the response to what they were having for dinner. Mariah looked at him incredulously. Of course I was. What soldier's wife enjoys spending months on hand without her husband? What did you do? Benaiah asked without looking at her. The children continued to play on the ground of the courtyard of their house, unaware of the serious conversation above them. The children kept me busy. I had a household to run, and many friends, mostly the other soldiers' wives. He stood to get a closer look at his wife. But did you feel lonely as a woman? He whispered so the children couldn't hear. Mariah blushed. Of course I did, she whispered back. But I spent my solitary times daydreaming of you and imagining our reunion. Benaiah felt a slow smile spreading, which matched Mariah's. She reached over and stroked his beard, then kissed him gently. Why all these questions? You know I love you and would never break my vows. She laughed. Besides, no one who knows you would dare trifle with the wife of Benaiah. You are one of the king's mighty men, and the captain of his bodyguard. 
Even the king wouldn't presume such a right. Benaiah gulped. Why would you mention David? To point out the absurdity of the idea. Even the most powerful man in Israel wouldn't be so presumptuous as to take your wife. He has enough wives and concubines to keep him satisfied. Then Mariah tilted her head and asked, Benaiah, why are you suddenly insecure after all these years of marriage? Has something happened to make you doubt me? Benaiah gazed into her eyes and tucked a strand of her soft black hair behind her ear. Even with the spray of wrinkles at her temples and the wisps of grey that streaked her ebony tresses, how he loved this woman. You've done nothing wrong. I just know that these things can happen in marriage, and I'm trying to understand why. I want you to feel so sure of my love that you would never be tempted to stray, even if King David himself he de desired you. Mariah laughed out loud, as if that would happen. I do love you, Benaiah, and I know you love me. I desire no other man but you. She kissed him then, not the polite peck of an older couple, but with the passion of a young woman with her lover. Her hands explored his chest and arms as if she were discovering them for the first time, and her touch inflamed his desire, as it had always done over the years. The sound of their servant, Milka, humming as she prepared food in the cooking room, carried to his ears. Benaiah nodded toward the back rooms of the house. Perhaps we could sneak across the hall for a little reassurance? Benaiah, it's the middle of the afternoon. The sparkle in her eyes belied her words of protest. We can pretend it's our wedding week. Mariah squealed as Benaiah chased her into their sleeping room. It had been two months since the incident with Bathsheba and David, and Benaiah felt no less guilt over it. He felt more, in fact, as he anticipated the day when the battle for Rabbah would be over and the mighty men and the rest of the army would return to Israel. How could he look into Uriah's face without shame and pity? As Benaiah neared the palace, Bathsheba's servant, Ashima, stopped him by calling his name. I have an urgent message for the king from my lady. She thrust a sealed papyrus into Benaiah's hand. You must give this to the king personally and immediately. Benaiah felt annoyance at her demand. A love note, no doubt, from David's new mistress. The Pelethites were the official royal couriers, but since Benaiah was in charge of them, he took it. Very well, I'll see that he gets it. She let out a breath. I knew I could trust you. Benaiah continued on his way. How would David respond? Would he be secretive about it? Would he send it back unopened as he should and end this? Benaiah accompanied David from his apartment to the common room, ready to begin the day's business in the kingdom. The spacious room held David's throne, seats for some of his counselors and administrators, and guards by the door who ushered individuals in to beseech the king for judgment in their cases. The recorder, Jehoshaphat, screened them in advance so that David only had to deal with the most serious or urgent matters. David relaxed into his throne. Benaiah approached him before the first supplicant was announced and handed him the note. He whispered that it had been sent by Bathsheba, feeling like he was a part of their deception. David hesitated, glanced briefly at Benaiah, then broke the seal, unrolled it, and settled back to read it. Benaiah took his place at David's side, awaiting orders. He stole glances at the king. David crumpled the note in his hand. Not a love note, then, Benaiah concluded. Could it be a scathing diatribe against his actions? Had she finally found the courage to let him know that he had abused his power in summoning her, making her feel pressured to give in to him? Was she demanding he never do so again? Benaiah hoped it was so. Benaiah wanted to believe that night with Bathsheba was a single incident, an example of a momentary lapse in judgment on David's part. He wanted to think the best about this man, whom, up until this point, Benaiah had admired. 
Had David repented of it and learned his lesson? But what of the law? Adultery was not the type of offense that could be atoned for with sacrifice. The penalty was death by stoning of both guilty parties. Benaiah, send a message to Joab. David's voice brought him out of his musings. Command him to send Uriah the Hittite to Jerusalem to report to me immediately. Yes, my lord. Benaiah wondered what possible connection could exist between a note from Bathsheba and an urgent summons for Uriah. But his job was not to question, merely to obey. He motioned for a Pelethite runner to take the dispatch to the battlefield. Continue listening for chapter 22.